So the Mets are down by four. They've got two on and two out from Mark Hanna with right-hander Daniel Bard coming in seventh inning. I got to go to Brett Beatty. He eventually will go to Brett Beatty. But in that spot in the seventh inning, I'm down by four. I need a hit now. I can't think about the ninth inning. So I'm going to Brett Beatty right then and there. I, I would say, under normal circumstances, go to Daniel Vogelback. But I think the uh, the time has ended for Daniel Vogelback, stunningly enough. More on that in a little bit. But he doesn't. He leaves Canada in the game. And while Canada drew a few walks, does anybody want Mark Canna up in that spot, two on, two out, when you've got Beatty and McNeil on the bench? I didn't even mention Jeff McNeil. Could have gone to McNeil. He keeps Canna in. Canna strikes out. Leadoff double in the eighth. They get a walk. They got two on and one out, and I can't kill Alvarez because Alvarez hits a line drive right at the shortstop, and a double play is turned. So I can't kill Alvarez because he smokes the freaking ball, just smokes it, and it turns into a double play. And that's just bad luck. Though I did say to my dad as Alvarez came up, two on, anything but a double play. Let him strike out for all I care. No double play. But he smoked it, and it's right at the shortstop. And how can anybody kill Alvarez with the way he's been hitting? So no pinch hit issues there. He even let Escobar bat to start the eighth inning, which I thought was really interesting, and let him bat in the ninth inning, which we'll get to. But they somehow rally in the ninth inning anyway, down by four. They go to McNeil for Vientos, one out, nobody on, which is fine. But again, I would have used either McNeil or Beatty earlier. Marte walks, Pham comes through with the double. He goes to Beatty for Canna and then lets Escobar face Vogel back. Now, here's what I find interesting about that. If Buck, after playing Vogel back as much as he did, started sitting him on Saturday, and we were all going crazy on Friday for him being in the lineup. He went 0 for 4. He got robbed a few times, but continues to hit the ball on the ground. If you're not going to Vogelback in that spot with Escobar up, he's done. He's done. This is the first time where I don't think he's going to be on the team now. Now I think he's close to being DFA or being traded because maybe he does have enough value where you can deal him for something. But if you're not using him there, why is he here? Think about it. If if he's lost the confidence of Buck that much, and I'm not complaining, by the way, about the Buck decision. I agree with Buck not going on, but it shows you where he is right now. And uh, I have a, a longtime midday caller, hasn't called much in afternoons, Chris in Orlando. And Chris in Orlando DM'd me this, and he's been tweeting a lot about this, and I want to be fair about who Chris is. Years ago, Chris called up Joe and I, to tell us breaking news. Now, it was the the most ridiculously, who cares, breaking news. But he did have it. And that was the fact that Mets were calling up Adam Wilk, a left-hander, to make a start. And they did, and he made the start. And for years, Chris has always said, remember when I broke the Adam Wilk news? And I'd always say, yeah, no, no, you did. I mean, jokes aside about the importance of it, he broke the news. Well, Chris has been screaming, Vogelback's done. Ronnie Mauricio's getting the call up going into this homestand against the Phillies. Now, I, I don't know if it's true, but I'll tell you right now, after not using Vogel back on Sunday, I'm starting to think he's done. I'm starting to think we maybe have seen the end of the line of Daniel Vogel back at this point, which is it sucks because they gave away a player in Colin Holderman, and it sucks because I think he can be a useful player. But right now, as we have hit Memorial Day, 
And that's the time of the year where you start to look at your roster and figure, what do I have? He is the odd man out. He is. And one of the reasons he's the odd man out, it's it's sort of ironic. It's going to end this way for him. Billy Epler and Buck Showalter have talked so much about versatility over the years with young players. They've talked about Vientos' versatility and Brett Beatty's ability to stay on the field defensively. Like, defense matters to them. And being able to play multiple position matters to them. And yet you have a guy in Vogelback who can't play a position. Like, he has not played a position. I don't think he's ever played first base with the Mets. Has he? Has he suited up and played first base in any game? Not that the Mets would want that since Pete's out there every day. So for an organization that's talked so much about versatility and defense, here's a guy that supplies none of that. So if you replace him with Mauricio, you have become 10 times more versatile. You have become you know, not just a better hitter, assuming Mauricio get hit at the major league level, but you've become a more versatile team. But here's the problem with all of this, okay, whether they make this move or not. I think we all have to agree things are looking good with this offense. Now, they'll be tested a little bit more against the Phillies. This is Colorado. This is Chicago. This is some mediocre pitching that they've beaten up. But this lineup is not the problem. And I don't think it's ever been. The problem is this pitching. And unlike with Alvarez and Beatty and and Vientos and Mauricio, they don't have guys in the minors itching to come up to change this. Unless you want to call up Zach Muckenhern and say, hey, give him a shot. Or Walker again, or Denny Reyes, or Jose Budo, or Joey Lucchese. It's the same guys. Now, maybe you get something out of one or two of those guys. I'm not mocking Zach Muckenhern. Like, the truth is, this guy could come up and be great. You never know with relievers. But there is no obvious fix to this. That's what's frustrating. Their pitching is their issue right now. The way they pitched over these two games against Colorado, from their starters sucking to most of the bullpen, especially Saturday sucking, to really not having many relievers you trust, that's their issue. And there's no internal option that's obvious going to come up and fix it. So let's play the bullpen game. Who do you trust the most? Great, David Robertson, sold. Who do you trust the second most? Adam Adovino? I mean, that's probably the answer. Drew Smith is third. Brooks Raley is four. Who's five? Dominic Leone, Jeff Brigham, Tommy Hunter, Steven Nagosik. Like, we're going to hear a lot about the back of their bullpen, and it's bad. I'm sorry, the front of, like, the, 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 the meat of their bullpen, the long guys, five through eight. But really, after David Robertson, It's not a great bullpen. And when you mix that with McGill, who's been bad recently, and Carrasco, who you never know what you're getting, and even Verlander, you never know what you're getting, and Kodai Senga, who when he's home, he's fine. When he's on the road, he's a problem. And hopefully Max is building off of this. It's not a good staff. And that's the concern. This is a 500 team going into the Memorial Day, post-Memorial Day part of the season, a third of the way through the season. And I don't know how good this pitching can be. Can they make a trade before July 31st? Sure. Yeah. I think that's going to be their priority. You're not making the deal tomorrow. Jose Quintana is one of the rare, one of the the few guys that can come in and help. 
But right now, it's all the same guys that we've seen over the first few months that can come up here. Luke Casey, Budo, Peterson, Reyes, Muck and Hearn, Dennis Santana, you name it. By the way, David Peterson in his last start sucked too, by the way. Luke Casey's been fine. And the reason I bring that up is because should Tyler McGill have a safe spot in the rotation right now? He's been bad. He's been bad recently. I don't think you can trust him. So the pitching is the biggest concern, not even close. And I mean, that's obvious as we move forward. Now, let me get to some of your emails because my kids still want to play. It's uh, I'm recording this at night on Memorial Day Sunday night, and they don't want to go to sleep, and they shouldn't because, hey, man, it's freaking Memorial Day weekend. Now, right, let's get to a few emails. Uh, Fred Fernandez writes, Evan and Pete, ninth inning of today's game, Sunday's game, against the Rockies. When the Mets brought it to 11-10 facing a riding on the mound, there were two outs, and I was praying Buck would let Escobar bat and not use Vogel back as a pinch hitter. Buck left in Escobar, and it occurred to me that Buck might be losing faith in Vogel back and was afraid to use him. As little as a week ago, he would have sent up Vogel back as a pinch hitter without thinking twice about it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed to me that he passed up the chance to pinch hit Vogelback about four times during this game. If the manager is now afraid to use him, what is he doing on this team? Is Epler afraid of releasing Vogelback that it would close a book on last year's trade deadline as a miserable failure? (laughs) But let's be honest, I knew that last year's Mets trade deadline was a disaster by August 3rd, 2022. Do the right thing, Billy, as GM, DFA Vogel tonight. Look, they got rid of Darren Ruff, and they gave up more players for Ruff than they did for Daniel Vogelback. But it's a great point. Thought the same thing. He doesn't have faith in him. He has no faith in him. Ian Nolan. Evan, I'm sending this email to state nothing other than Tyler McGill has become my least favorite Met pitcher to watch. We all have that guy, right? Last April, he looked like the next big thing in our rotation and post a shoulder injury. He's not only a shell of himself stuff-wise, he's also infuriating to watch pitch. He's become that nibbling, high-walk, constant guys-on-base starter you hate to watch. Not sure what the future holds, but if he's going to look like this every five days, I wonder if in the future, or not right now, he's better off in the bullpen throwing 98 again. He's not going to last as a fifth starter with his current arsenal. Uh, who are you replacing him with? You know, we gave you the options. Budo, Peterson, Lucchese. I don't know if the Mets will do what they did last year, which is say, hey, let's see what he is as a reliever. Let's see if we can kind of reinvent him as a relief pitcher. They tried it last year. It didn't work. Ethan Chow writes on the May 27th game. That was the Saturday game. Evan and Pete, I'm done with this team. Buck has seriously no clue about the Met bullpen. He chooses to go to Jeff Buzzkill Brigham to pitch the seventh, and he gave up a two-run homer to Ryan McMahon. And then in the eighth, he goes to Blue Smith. I like what he did. And he gave up two runs in the eighth. Buck loves to lose. He loves Daniel Vogelfat. Tommy Sham and these other bums. Sounds like Frank the Tank. I'm sick and tired of this team. Steve Cohn needs to fire Buck. If he does not, we're going to lose 100 games and never win a World Series. Okay. I got to stop you there. I I get that Drew Smith and Jeff Brigham aren't very good right now. Who do you want to go to? And that's the question everybody's got to put in their brain. Who do you want to go to? This is on Billy Epler to fix because this bullpen is a major, major issue. 
and they're going to have to figure out a way to get better. Otherwise, we're going to be sitting watching this crap for another third of the season. And by the way, that's the best part about being at the third of the season. If you want to see what everyone's on pace to do, just times it by three. Pete Alonso on pace at 60 home runs. Francisco Lindor on pace at 27 home runs and driving 119 runs. How about that? And by the way, that, that's the interesting thing about this Lindor debate. You take my old partner, Joe B, and, and both sides are going to be right in, in what I'm describing, but I'm going to give you an observation on the Lindor debate because I don't really care about the Lindor debate. I just want to win games. That's all I care about. To Joe, he sees RBIs and says, hey, guy's going to 27 home runs and driving 120 runs. That's a good year. Now, a lot of people will say, yeah, but you're relying on guys to get on base to drive in runs. That's you know, those numbers only work when you've got guys who get on base. So you need teammates to perform well to drive in a lot of runs. And a guy like Joe would say, and I would even say to a degree, okay, I don't care. If he's driving in 120 runs, he's having a good year for me, for my team. I'm not looking at a fantasy team. I'm looking at my team. The object of the game is to score runs. If I've got a guy driving in 120 runs, he's having a really good year. Now, someone else would say, We'll look at his OPS, and there's no denying it. His OPS is not great. So if you're judging Lindor on, hey, is he having a good season or not, there's two different kind of brain, two different kind of mindsets to have. There's the fan of the Mets mindset. There's the fantasy baseball mindset. From a fantasy baseball standpoint, or really just a baseball standpoint, yeah, his OPS is under his current numbers. He's not having a great year, and a lot of his numbers are relying on his teammates getting on base ahead of him. But if you're a Met fan, you don't even your point is, oh, he's driving in a lot of runs. That's good. That helps my team win. If you drive in 120 runs, that's good for the Mets. So I think sometimes these debates about what stats you care about are people having two different debates and not realizing it. Like they're kind of yelling at each other, but they're not talking to each other. If you're a Met fan, if you're listening to me right now, most Met fans listen. If you're a Met fan, if you're listening right now, you're probably a Met fan. You're looking at, well, you're driving a lot of runs. That helps my team win. If you're looking at kind of like I'm 50,000 feet above, I'm just kind of looking at baseball and I'm analyzing this guy's season versus that guy's season. Yeah, he's going to come up small. So it really depends on how you want to view it. Anyhow, coming up this week, we'll obviously give you a normal Rico after the Philly series. We're also going to do a Rico where we look at the third of the season and what's been accomplished and what we're nervous about and who's going to keep this up and who's going to suck more and who's going to be better. So we'll give you a bonus edition of the Rico coming up as the week rolls on. Big series coming up against the Phillies, and hopefully the Mets can get the taste out of losing two out of three to Colorado out of their mouth. You can email the pod, the Rico, be at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.